Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. <laughs> ah, so you didn't see it. <laughs> Amen. Well, in my little church, my little neck of the woods, I Sunday mornings I preach on the family. And if I could preach a revival on the family, I would. On just the family. One of the greatest gifts to us Christians is a Christian home. I love the Christian home. It's something that I would have never known had I not come to God and to the Bible Missionary Church. I love the message of holiness because it works. It's biblical. And I poured all my life into the certainty that without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. I believe that with all my heart. I believe, I believe in our message. And so that message exemplifies it. It, it really comes into a fulfillment in the home. If holiness does not work in the home, it doesn't work anywhere else. I believe it with all my heart. One of the greatest things, one of the best things that I could have ever done was first give my life to the Lord. And then the choice I made for a life companion. I always thank the Lord every day for the kind of wife that he gave me. And uh, we, we have our differences, don't get me wrong. We are different. And we do have situations where um, we don't talk the way you taught that lesson. <laughs> Just the other day we were talking about something. I said, honey, if we were going back and forth, back and forth, and I said, why won't you disagree with me? She says, oh, honey, I would, but then we'd both be wrong. <laughs> Compromise. <laughs> well, when it comes to the family, I don't think there's many teachers. We're all students, aren't we? But um, I'm reminded, uh, before I start getting into this, of a, uh, of a young boy who lived in a farm, and uh, he had wanted to start a business, to start making money. A little lad, but had some good, you know, good intentions. They went to his mother. Mother, what, what can I do to make money? I want to, I want to start making money off of the farm. We probably have many ways we can. So he said, Mom, I, I've got an idea, and I just need your help. I would like to start selling some chickens. I'd like to sell chickens and make money and raise chickens and that. The mom said, you know what, that's not a very good idea for you. You're too young. It takes a lot to, to do what you want to do. Uh, why don't you just sell the eggs? Sell eggs. Put them in a basket and go down and sell them. That's, that's pretty easy. You can do that. He said, I reckon I could. There was only one problem. Mom didn't have those regular-sized chickens. She had the little phantom chickens. What do you call the little ones? Little ones? Uh, how do you say that? Fancy chickens? The little, little things. So out of little things come little things. <laughs> and the eggs were only about yay big. So when he's out there selling, the, he had a lot of customers, but they all poised the same, the same question. The complaint is that you need bigger eggs. It's too small. 
you've got to get some bigger eggs. It, it takes so many of them to just get an omelet or something. You, you, you got to do something about your business here. So he's thinking, what can I do? So he goes back into town and, and going around through all the different shops, and he found himself an ostrich egg, a big one. And so he got an idea. So it goes back into the hen house. And you know where they all sit and have the little, their eggs and stuff. And so he, he, he put the egg up there where they could all see him. All the chickens could see it. And he put a sign under it. It says, it said, look at this and do your best. <laughs> so look at this and do your best. Let's stand. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Sometimes you don't know what to do. I was, whether preach long, short, or what. I was in Canada preaching a revival. And I knew that they were, you know, tired, I guess, from the trip and so on. So I was, my sermons were about 30 minutes. One was like 25. So I'm just trying to be careful. And this, this, this little saintly lady comes up to me, walking with a walk. You listen up, preacher. I didn't drive 20 hours to hear 20 minute sermon. Preach! <laughs> said, yes, ma'am. The next sermon, I went out for about an hour and five minutes. And another lady comes up and preach it up. As long aren't you, preacher? Kind of getting going, huh? Okay, which is it? Do I preach long or short? Oh, Lord, help us. Therefore, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Would you move down to verse 25 with me real quick? <clears throat> Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, then let the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him the soul steal no more, but rather let him labor, work into his hand, that which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. I want to talk to you. I'm going to take verse 4, verse 2, 
with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. I want to talk about the forebears of the Christian home. Talked about forebears today. Maybe three since uh, it's Sunday morning. But first of all, bear each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens. Second, bear each other's differences. Bear each other's differences. And then third, bear each other's mistakes. Three, well, there's four bears. We'll just do three this morning. I'm going to ask our pastor to pray. Lord, we're thankful. Oh, Father, you're a wonderful God. We pray that you help us to be obedient to the truth. You may be seated. One of the jobs that I've held throughout my life uh, before I came to Christ was uh, I, I began a to work in the restaurant business, and um, I started out as a manager of, a, of, of one of, a, of three restaurants that this company had, and uh, within a few uh, months, I think it was just a little over a year, maybe more, uh, I was hired as the, uh, the general manager of, of the chain. With time, it grew to become a chain of, uh, I think it was 13 restaurants at the end. And one of my jobs was to oversee the operations of these restaurants, and uh, I would examine profit and loss, quality control, uh, many things. And, and one of the things that I, I, was, I was tasked to do in profit and loss is try to figure out why a restaurant was not being profitable and... Uh, and look at the ones that were profitable and learn and trying to help the owner keep a, keep a good pulse of his business. There was one restaurant in particular that uh, I was called to. He said, I need you to go check out that restaurant. Uh, it seems busy. We're doing good, but I just don't, we're losing money somewhere. So you need to go and find out what it is that's going on. So I would uh, maybe sometimes stay in a local hotel three or four days, whatever, and I would be in this restaurant and trying to figure out what, uh, what its operational status. Uh, this one, when I when I examined the, the books and I looked at the, the intakes and outtakes and, and all that stuff, I I found that the you know, the manager was spending a lot on maintenance. A lot of the profits were going out on maintenance. So I, I sat with the manager and I said, listen, I've, I've got a concern here. You keep contacting the, uh, 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 the company of heating and air conditioning and you've actually replaced your air conditioner twice. Uh, and and uh, I, I'm just asking you, what is the problem? He said, well, the problem is that uh, uh, we have a problem with, with pigeons up on the roof. They're all over this place and all over this part of town. You can't go out and shoot them. It's against the law. You can't. I try to shoot them away, but uh, here's what happens. He said uh, uh, they, they nest around the AC units, and and the feathers are clogged the fans, and and the, the motors end up uh, end up burning up, and and so I just don't know what to do. I I just I keep calling the repairman out. We replace the unit. We're talking thousands of dollars. And I said, okay, well I. 
I can't tell you what to do, but I'm just going to call the uh, the owner and tell him what, what you and I are talking about. So after I, I called him, I explained him the problem, and, and I said, what has he done? He said, what has he done to try to remedy the problem? He said he's called the city and told them about their problem. They don't care. He said he's tried to go up there and send some of the workers to shoot them away and, and try to keep them off the roof and keep them off of the, the AC units. Uh, but uh, nothing's working. It's just keep same problem over and over again. And he, said, he told me, he said, have you tried attacking their neck? Attack the nest. You destroy the nest once, they're probably going to try to build them again. You destroy them again, and they're probably going to keep trying. But eventually, they will give up. And if they cannot build nests there, they will go on to another building. Attack the nest, he said. And I thought about how the home is, uh, is, is, is where it all happens. And Satan is out to destroy your nest. He's out to destroy your family. I don't know about you, but I feel the attacks almost every day, constantly. The devil attacking my home. So this manner and that manner. He knows that if he can break up the family, he can break up the church. Many people, our society, are frowning on the word of marriage. They like open unions, open relationships. Because they're afraid that, that, that once they get married, it's going to get broken up. They just know. Did you know that what, what a high percentage of marriages end up in divorce within the first five years? 67%. 67%. That is a lot. So we see the, the, the efficiency of Satan. He's breaking up the home. And he's trying to get us to, to not even think about establishing a relationship, a family as God has ordained. We're trying to find alternatives. We come into the, to the marriage union with an open mind. Uh, you know, we're just going to live together. If it doesn't work, we can go our separate ways. That way there's no divorce. Yes, there is a divorce. Yes, there's a failed marriage. And the devil knows it. That if he can attack our home, he can hurt the church, and he can hurt society. He can hurt society. So, uh, God has given us the answer to this problem, and that is heart holiness. Holiness makes a difference. Holiness can take a home that is shattered and, and take a home that is, that is beaten. But if, if we all just take God and his word and begin to walk in the light of God's call to holiness, you will see that many of the problems will solve themselves. I said many, not all. I'm, I'm, I want to be an open book to you. I, I have my differences, okay? But I've also known through my experience with God that I don't have to win them all. You know? They say that a successful marriage is a union between two compromisers. You give and take. You give and take. I, I, I myself am very, very flexible on things, but on principles, I am not flexible. I'm sorry. I just don't bend on principles. I don't have to have my way. I don't have to have a certain color in the wall of the house. I don't have to have that certain floor in the kitchen. I, I can I can flex with that. 
But when it comes to principle, I'm not moving. Because those come from God. And so, uh, when we, uh, like I said, the, the, and you young people that are eventually going to start thinking of, of building a little nest, uh, it's going to be the most important decision you'll make. Aside from accepting Christ as your Savior and sanctifier. And we live in a society that is so cosmetic. A society that is, that is governed by sight. Decisions are made by sight. Decisions are made by convenience. But they'll lead somebody straight into a dangerous situation. You know who I'm thinking about? Lot. Lot. Lot was a man that, uh, had we not read a couple of verses after his life, we'd have a serious time determining that, that he was a man of God. The Bible says he, he was righteous. That's what it says. But we find them that when a decision was to be made, a very important decision, uh, you remember Abraham and Lot going together. Abraham's got all the blessings, and they overflowed into, into Lot. And, and all of a sudden, uh, uh, they began to quarrel among their servants. And, and Abraham, being the man of peace, says, Lot, we, we have to part to keep peace. And Abraham, being the gentleman, said, Lot, why don't you choose? And whatever you don't choose, I'll choose that. And then the Bible tells us that Lot lifted up his eyes. Uh, but it doesn't say he lifted them to pray. He lifted them to see, to contemplate the plains of Jordan. And he saw the plains of Jordan as a place to raise cattle, but he didn't ask God if it was a good place to raise children. And he got himself in trouble. And you know the story. But from the start, we have to choose right. Now, my start with my wife is very, I guarantee you, it's different from any of y'all. I guarantee you it's different. When I was in church, there was a time where I, I really told God, I said, God, I will stay single if you want me to. If I want me to serve you single, I'll do it. But uh, one day, uh, I got so blessed one morning, and, and, uh, and God just helped me so much in my devotions. And, and I looked around trying to share with somebody, and there was nobody there, just me. And I said, God, I, I'm not asking for anything. If this is what you want, I'm, I'm fine with it. And he said, no, it's time for you to, to get married. i got a ministry for you. So I had heard that, that, that the young people, and I wasn't very young now, yeah, the young people would make a list of the girls, the, the potential suitors. Yeah! In the Spanish, I heard that's the way they do it. Yeah, and you start praying down the line, and the winner gets the package. Which, to me, uh, I mean, that's all I had heard, and I said, well, okay, I'll make a list. I made the list, and I knelt down, and, and I began to look over the list. I'm praying, and I said, this is ridiculous. I threw it in the garbage. I said, Lord, I'm going to carry on. I'm going to press on you. You have to tap me on the shoulder and tell me who and when. So at that time, I was my sister was pastoring, and her husband in Phoenix, and I was in California. And, and I called her one day to tell her that morning how God had blessed me. She was, oh, wow. I got a suggestion for you. So you do? You I have a, a sheep in my church. And you know her. Her 
That's your loot. Which means light. Max is, oh, no, 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 no. She is probably the most beautiful girl we have in our district, and she's the most spiritual. No. No. Uh, I have a, a past. And she doesn't need somebody like me, and I'm actually 10 years older than her. I said, forget it. It's not going to happen. No, no, no. I, I know your personality, I, and I, I think it would work. Listen, don't try to be a matchmaker, please. Because sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, it's bad. I've seen it. And so I, I said, no, forget it. And we went on, and then later on, I, I was trying to pray and everything, and that would come to mind. And it would visit my mind again. And again, I said, Lord, no. She needs somebody that's pure and clean, hasn't been on the world like I have. Doesn't have the scars of the world. She does not deserve that. She doesn't need that. Let her find a nice, clean young man that grew up in the ranks. And, and that would match. I'm not a match for her. But it would come to mind all the time. Come to mind. I said, okay, Lord, I'm done. I, I, I'm going to settle this. I'm going to write her a letter, and I'm going to ask her to marry me. <laughs> that way she will say no, and I'll be happy, and you'll leave me alone. <laughs> so, I write the letter. Sister Luke, I'm so glad that God has helped us in this Congress that we just had in. And, uh, you know, you got to be spiritual first. Come on now, don't, don't chuckle at me. You were the same way. And I really believe that our young people need to get to God and get grounded in their faith. And that's just going to give us a, a better generation and a better thrust into, into the lost world. On and on. On a different note. Had <laughs> it ended there, that would have been fine. But on a different note. I said, God has been talking to me about get married, and uh, he has a ministry for me. I am called to preach, I'm called to pastor, and I'm called in the evangelistic field. That is my call. And uh, I've been praying, I've been thinking to ask you if you want to be my partner in my ministry. I said, if you do not have that kind of uh, inclination, please say no, because this is my call. So if you don't have that, please say no. Uh, I'll get over it. But I'd rather you be straight up with me. If that's not what you want, then throw this letter in the garbage and move on. But if you could pray and ask God, he might lead you to be my partner. If I, I said, if you're not willing to live under a tree for God, then, then don't say yes, please, because that's where I'm headed. And uh, I sent the letter out. I waited every day for the return. He hadn't even made it to Phoenix. I'm already checking the mailbox. <laughs> and every time the mailman would come, I'm out there waiting, yanking the mail out of his hands. But two weeks would go by, and I'm nervous. I'm thinking, she's just probably still laughing from that letter. And so finally one day I come up, the mailman's coming. like, there's that goofball again. So give it to me. Don't even put it in the box. I got it. And it's going through letters, bills, 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 And there it was. Oh, I started beating fast. And you know what I 
mean, I like like a little teenage girl. I went into the bathroom to read and lock the door. <laughs> I did. I'm, I'm just being honest with you. So, so I go in there. I take a deep breath. <sighs> okay, I'm ready now. I open it up. And... Brother George, I so agree with you about our young people. It's been my burden that our girls get uh, get grounded in their faith as well. They're going to go into ministry one day, I'm sure. And uh, we just want to give God the best of what we've got and this and that. On and on. I was just hurrying through down. I want to see the answer. Like, yada, yada, yada. No. <laughs> and on the other question, on the other question you proposed, I want you to know that I, I do talk to God. He is my Savior and Sanctifier, and we do have a very good relationship. And I know how to hear from God. And I have heard from God on your request. And she said, I prayed, and God has clearly, with the Bible, and an answer to my own confirmation of my own spirit, that I am to be that partner and wife that for your ministry. Yes! <laughs> I was so happy. I still am. It's like I barely got the letter today. <laughs> Seventeen years later, I'm still rejoicing over that. But I kept reading down at the end. She said, oh, and on that living under a tree, I'm not living under, you're going to have to get a job. <laughs> so the word forbearing, forbearing, what does that mean? You know, in, 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 the fact that a marriage is able to work, it, 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 it takes a miracle now. Because we are so different. We are so different. Our rules are crashing together. In, in, in dating, eyes are closed. But in marriage, they open up real quick. How things different are. <laughs> but uh, it can work, and it does work. And God has, get, has given us the answer. But anyways, forbearing, what does it mean? This word appears 27 times in the Bible, mainly in the New Testament. And it gives us a thought of an idea of removal, to lift, to literally, purely endure, to declare, to sustain, to receive, to bear, to carry, to take up. That's what it means. Kind of a yoking together is what it's called. And uh, no greater example can be found uh, in the only example of our Lord Jesus Christ of forbearing. He surely had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He took up, he forbear our iniquities. And so, uh, the, the first bear, we are to bury each other's burdens. Bury, bear each other's burdens. And, uh, uh, the word bear, uh, it, it comes from the word, uh, it means bastardos. It's, uh, it's how you pronounce it. It's, uh, it's bear when it's, it's to, to, it is to fulfill the law of Christ. It means to, to actually carry somebody else's load and to help them and to be there. 
in this case, we find that uh, uh, lifting uh, of someone else's burden speaks of yoking, like I said, between brethren, joining them in prayer for a need, showing spiritual support, and all those things. That's what it's talking about. That's why we have prayer requests. We're asking you to, to, to yoke up with that, to, to bear the burden of, of that. That's what that is, is kind of saying. So in the home, there are different things that burden us as a couple. There are situations in my ministry that uh, it could be, to me, like a nothing. That's okay. It's going to take care of itself. The problem, just leave it alone. God will take care of it, and I'm fine. But sometimes my wife is grieved over the situation. My sister is going through that. And, and she's, she carries that load and she, she weeps and says, I'm, I feel for her. She's going through this situation and, and then she's constantly uh, crying out over it and, and just very, and, and says to me, I'm like, honey, just leave it alone. God's going to take care of it. We're, we're different. I'm not saying I don't care. We're looking at the same situation in a different manner. I'm saying God is faithful. God knows what to do. Let God be God and pray at a distance. My wife gets into the matter, not verbally, spiritually. And many said, honey, just leave it alone. Let it go. It's okay. That's easy for me to say. She feels differently about it. She's hurt over this sister going through her trial. And she weeps over it. And she cares for her. And she's just right there. And, and me, I'm kind of more of a different guy. I just, I believe God and God's going to take care of it. I'm not saying I'm insensitive. I'm just saying let God do what God's going to do. So we're different. One time she came to me uh, after her devotions and, 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 and she said, I'd like to talk to you. I said, yes, honey. She said, no, not as your wife. I'm going to talk to you as my pastor. I'm struggling with that. This is, it, 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 I'm struggling. And I need you to help me. I need you to pray with me. I need you to read the Bible too. I want you to minister to my heart as my pastor. And we, and my wife is, is, is as tough as they come, but she's as tender as can be. And, and, uh, and so these are great differences that, that come between us. And we find uh, in the book of Exodus, I believe it's in chapter 18, where we find Moses involved in a battle. The people were fighting. And, and he is there directing this thing. And, and he begins to get tired. And he begins to uh, wind down. And, and, and they had to come and, and lift up his arms. So, and then when they did, Israel began to prevail. He had a direct impact on the battlefield. The help that they were giving the man of God. So we are in a battle and we need to lift up each other. We need to forbear each other's burdens. We need to help each other out and, and we, and then we see that not only when, when, when burdens are there, we can't expect that we all handle them the same way. They're physical burdens that we didn't help each other with. I'm telling you, I've been in some counseling sessions that, you know, the husband's like, oh, she never has the energy, never has the time. Well, have you tried taking care of the five children all by yourself, sir? Oh, she never has this, she never has that. And I said, how about helping her out a little bit? How about when the children are being unrolling, how about you grabbing one in each arm? How 
about you helping out instead of sitting back and complaining how she handled the situation? How about getting under the load? That's what it's talking about. Samantha, my daughter, taught me a very important lesson that I've never forgotten. She is now 13. But she was just, I think, eight years old. Seven or eight, I remember. Uh, my wife at that time, Isaac, my older son, was already in school. We have a Christian day school. And so she was uh, teaching at the school for a while. And so Samantha and I, my daughter, would be the only one at home when I had the day off. And one day, as Isaac and my wife went out to work, we, we kind of, we sat there a little bit. And then I said, Samantha, Daddy's going to go in the office to do some things. I'll be out in, I'll be out in a few minutes, okay? It's okay, Daddy. So I go in, in the office, and I'm sitting there doing my work. And all of a sudden, I hear click, 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 click. Dishes. Dishes. Things being, you know, like when you're washing dishes, the noise that you make. And then I heard the vacuum cleaner. I said, what is going on? Waited for a little bit. I come out, and there's my daughter with her little legs crossed, sitting after reading her little, little uh, Bible story book. I look over the carpet vacuum. I look over in the kitchen, and all the dishes are put away. The counters are clean. And I was like, all right, who are you and what did you do with my daughter? No. <laughs> I said, Samantha, did you do this? I said, Dad, I was thinking, it's not fair that Mommy has to get up and make breakfast and then have to go to work, have to go to school, and then work all day and then come back and have to do that. I thought we could help her and do it ourselves. I wish she comes home. She doesn't do all that work. Hello. But yeah, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> Helping each other out. Helping each other out. I have no problem watching dishes. I have no problem. None whatsoever. And I get, in the Spanish culture, you get criticized for this. They call you a mandilon. You know what that means? It means you wear a woman's apron around your waist. And they insult you with it. You know what I'm talking about right there. A mandilon. Mandilon is one that does women's work. Well, I am officially a mandilon, okay? So you can write that across my name. That's fine. You know? I go, I go into the... I see my wife. She's tired. She just had, had to deal with a problem with the ladies, whatever, on and on. And all of a sudden, she's done, and she's thinking she looks over in the kitchen or whatever. She's like, ah, oh, more work. I sense that. I said, honey, stay right where you're at. I go in the kitchen, and before I put on my apron, Close all the windows, make sure nobody's looking. <laughs> I start washing dishes. I clean the counters. I see her sometimes Saturday night. She, she's been meeting with the ladies or she's been doing something or the Sunday school teacher couldn't teach the children, so she has to do it. And then she's thinking, oh, man, I forgot. I got to get a meal together for tomorrow Sunday. Don't worry about it. I got it. Well, what are you going to do? You don't worry about it. I can tell you, you're going to eat. And I go out and I do the groceries on Saturday and, and get everything ready for Sunday. And, and she's going to be the princess that day. She's just going to sit and relax. Why does it seem foreign to some of you? You're looking at me like... Why are you looking at me like that? Talk about lifting each other's burden. Maybe, maybe you cowboys don't do that, but you ought to. You ought to do that. Help 
helping each other out. That's what it's about. We forbear. We, 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 we carry each other's burdens, whether they're spiritual or physical. That's what we do. And we have differences. This is a good one. Whew. We can be so different. You know, the Bible, in Romans chapter 15, he talks about, uh, it says that when we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not please ourselves. In other words, uh, when differences arise, uh, you are called as a sanctified child of God to exercise grace. When somebody makes a mistake, your partner will make mistakes. That's just a gimme. That's nothing new. Well, you can't stop that, really. But you can have the right attitude when a mistake is made. You're holy, you're sanctified, but it's wrapped up in humanity. Wrapped up in this body of clay that is still prone to misjudge and to make mistakes. And I'm telling you, you have made your share and you've got to make some more. I remember one time I told my wife, I said, uh, you know, we were in Walla Walla, barely making it. You know, I had two jobs just to pay rent, a little building we were renting, a little church we were renting, and then I had to pay my own rent. The district could help us out a little bit, but I, I could barely make ends meet. We were struggling. We were working hard, trying to keep our ministry going. And one day I told her, I said, honey, uh, could, I, could, I, could I write a check for $50? She's like, I, I think you can. Where are you going to write? I said, today? Goes, yeah, we should be able to cover that. So go ahead. So I go out and, and, and I purchased the item that I needed and, and uh, wrote the $50 check. And, and, uh, and I remember a couple of days later, about three or four days later, I'm, I'm in the living room sitting down reading the paper. And uh, from where I was sitting, you can see the street and our mailbox. And uh, it was about that time where the mailman would come through it. And my wife saw the mailman go, and so she stepped out and opens the mailbox, and I'm watching the whole thing. from. And then she's pulling paper, and she's shuffling through it. All of a sudden, her shoulders drop. <laughs> Takes a deep breath and starts making her way up the stairs into the house. And I saw her walking, and she had the envelope in her hand. It was from the bank. You know, when they run out of white paper, they do green paper. They send you a letter like that to let you know it's actually a thank you letter thanking you for your donation of $35 because you can't manage your finances. It's a thank you letter. And as she walked over, uh, she went straight to the room and closed the door. I'm sitting there, and I'm telling, we hear voices, and you do too. And the first voice I heard, Brother Dodd, was go in there and tell her that all you ask, you work hard, and all you ask is that she keep the finances, the little finances you've got. Very small thing you ask her. And now you just gave $35 to a bank that does not need them. You go tell her that. You go straighten this out because it's probably going to happen again. And this cannot be happening. You're working hard, blah, blah, blah. blah. That's a voice, but not that's the only voice. I waited in a second. It's our... Do you think she did that on purpose? Of course not. Do you think she's feeling good about it? Of course not. Then get up and go console your wife. You just made a mistake. And she needs you right now. 
walk in the room. She's sitting on the bed. I sit down. I said, what's wrong, honey? Oh, honey, you know that the chick I told you you could write? I said, you don't need to say anymore. I see the letter. But I want to tell you that you mean more to me now than all the money that's in that bank. Mistake, don't worry about it. God's going to help us. Give her a kiss in the forehead, hugged her. We walked out and went about our business. You know, you have a right to be concerned, but you do not have a right to be ugly. Let me repeat that. You have a right to be concerned, but you do not have a right to be ugly and abusive. Words hurt. And they hurt deep. And you can't take them back. You see, within the, the experience of holiness, God gives us uh, two types of grace. But you listen to me. Preventive grace and restorative grace. Do you know what that is? Preventive grace is a little voice that talks to you before you take up an attitude. The temptation to take up, being tempted is not a sin. Giving into it is. And when something happens, God the Holy Spirit will come and tell you, hey, watch your word. Don't you dare even think about talking to her like that or together. Watch your word. Stay within your circle of your experience. Do not step out of it. And before you do that, before you act, remember that you're going to make a mistake too. And that's the ministry of the wonderful Holy Spirit of God, allowing you to walk with Him hand in hand in holiness. And when you give Him to that, yes, Lord, I will keep my place. I will be Jesus in this situation. And so it's that little bell, that little says, don't do it. Don't act that way. Don't. Attitude is a choice. Pick a good one. Don't add fuel to the fire. Be graceful. Be kind. Remember, you are a Christian. You are a small Christ. And you give in to that. Yes, Lord. Let it be your will and not mine. Because what goes wrong, comes wrong. Then it'll be your turn to be asking for grace. And that's how we learn to live in the presence of God. He checks your spirit. He checks your language. He checks your attitude. I'm telling you, most of the time the people get into serious problems at home because somebody's not listening to God. Somebody's not in contact with the Holy Spirit. Somebody's not directly under the leadership of the Holy Ghost. Who's the God of peace? Peace is an extract of holiness. Follow peace with all mankind, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men. That's what you as a sanctified child of God are expected to follow peace. The devil would like to give you a brick to throw, a sword to cut, a word to stab, but you don't listen to those. Those aren't part of your weapon. It's grace. And you say, God, let it be your will. In my humanity, would I like to tell her, listen, uh, we just gave up the $35. That's a, that's a, almost five hours of, of work or, and then lay it all out. How's that going to help anything? Is that going to get my money back if I do that? I'm going to hurt a person. I vow to love and protect in front of people and God. You see, in Genesis, we see that God made the woman out of, came out of Adam. But did, he didn't make her out of a bone and a heel to kick and to abuse. The rib that is closest to the heart. But 
before he made this one stop. The closest to the heart is that time. He was making a statement about unity and humanity. That we are still in the flesh, but through Christ in holiness, we are in the spirit. So we bear each other in the faith. We may, everybody makes mistakes. And if you just remember that, uh, that maybe somebody else made a mistake, but your time will come. Your time will come where you will make a mistake and you will be great. And God has given us the wonderful experience of holiness to make it all work together, to make it all come together. One of the verses here that we see says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Can I, can I just give you a little side note of maybe a message later on in the week? In order for us to be sanctified, it takes the, the help and aid of the Holy Spirit. You cannot be sanctified without the Holy Spirit. So it's imperative. It, it is His assistance. Is he, you, cannot, it's, you cannot be sanctified without the Holy Spirit. So when you're going around in your daily lives, when you're going on in your church activities, going on at work, whatever, God the Holy Spirit, He is ever-present. He is, he is omnipresent. He is everywhere you go. Listen to everything you say. Check every attitude, hidden or not in your heart. He knows everything about us. He's here right now. He's listening to me. And he's, your, your thoughts are screaming in his ears. And how you're feeling, he knows all about it. But that's not just here. So every day, in order for you to be sanctified, you have to learn to respect the presence of God in your life. To learn to live in the presence of God. In every situation at home, before you start the confrontation, realize that he's a silent listener. He's right there watching everything. And when we do our own will, when we do our own things, unchecked attitudes, tantrums, and, and all that stuff, and then we come, Lord, sanctify me. Sanctify what? How can I sanctify you when you have not offered yourself as a living sacrifice, a voluntary sacrifice, where you've allowed me to be your guide? Not just your spectator, but your guide. And that's where some people miss it. They, they come to the altar and say, I'm here to get sanctified. No, uh, you, the work is done in your everyday life. Where you tell God, you are the master of me. Sanctification is not going to stop you from doing certain things. You should already stop doing them before you can to get sanctified. I know it's Sunday morning and I'm trying to stay on topic. But I'm telling you, some of our homes are hurting. And it may be yours this morning. With all the church and religion, the knowledge, you may be going home to screaming matches, to tantrums. The Bible says this, be ye angry and sin not. What does that mean? Some people would say, I've got a right to get angry. Oh, no, not selfishly. Not selfishly. And even then, you have to weigh out what it is you're concerned about. Some of us have not even worth being concerned about, being mad about. Can I tell you a little secret that my wife and I have that, that has worked for us for a long, long time? Why don't you listen to me? We made a pledge to each other when we got married that we would never go to rest, turn in for the day, without straightening things out that happened throughout the day. 
Never. We dare not go and try to get rest and sleep without talking about the things that happened throughout the day that may have just gotten in the way. Right before we go to bed, if there's a doubt that something happened, honey, is everything all right? Yes, everything's fine. But sometimes she says, no, I, I kind of like to talk to you. Okay, what is it? Well, when we were talking back and forth to that family, you said something, and, and really that's not me, and nor do I deserve it. I understand you're trying to be facetious and, and this and that, but it, I'm not trying to be ultra-sensitive, but it kind of put me in bad light, and I, I don't think I appreciate that. Like, oh, I didn't even think of that. I'm sorry, honey. I'm sorry, I blabber off sometimes, and I don't think about how some people are going to take what I say. But if you pray for me, I guarantee I'll be more sensitive. I'm really sorry, honey. I didn't even think about that. I mean, I'm thinking now, and I can see, I can see, and you have every right to take it as you did. And I want you to pray for her husband. I don't want to do anything to hurt you or embarrass you. Put arms around me and wipe a little tear away, and uh, off we go. But have you ever gone to bed when? Something did get cleared up. It's a long night. Back towards each other, one in each edge of the bed, waiting for one to try to make peace. And it doesn't happen. That is a horrible, horrible way to try to give back. When it settles with a simple openness to God's Spirit to accept your own fault and to be willing to live in peace, to seek peace, and whatever. If it's your turn to take a, uh, to, to, to take, uh, eat the humble pie, eat the whole store full of pie. But keep peace. Keep the peace. And uh, the reason I tell you is because we've ministered to couples with counsel and they tell us how horrible it is to try to get rest when things aren't clear. Nothing is said. Something was done. The lady would cry. I would lay, I would turn aside and see faces that way. And I'm just inside crying. And, and, and this is where the devil likes to have a part. You see, you married the wrong woman. Are you kidding me? a little mistake made and you just need to fess up and, and make it up and complain. Move on. That's all. But the devil built a mountain. Oh, you made a mistake. Had you married that other girl you were dating at BMI, you wouldn't be having these problems. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can be pretty forward sometimes. But don't deny that that's the way the devil works. You have a weapon. You have a sanctified heart. God gave to make it all work. And see, preventive grace, God ministers to you. If don't act that way, don't get out of line. An area that, you know, is starting to affect our, our churches. It's starting to affect our faith. And this, this, this feminist movement across our country. Feminist movement, indeed. I can do it, too. I can take care of myself. I can pay for my own. I heard there was a lady at uh, one time I was, I was in the, in the, in the grocery line and, and I said something to the cashier about my credit card and I said, yeah, that's why I don't give it to my wife. You know, this joke. The lady was so offended. Well, that's why I have my own job to carry my own credit card. 
Who's talking to you? I didn't tell her that, but my heart did. I look over, and the lady, the lady is like, the cashier's like, good for you. You know, we don't need to live under men and these, you know, we can do our own thing. She said, oh, yeah, I've got my own. i got two jobs, as a matter of fact. I'm a single mother of two, and I can handle it just fine. i got two jobs. I pay my own rent. I pay my own bills. I am free as can be. I said, free? You're working two jobs? Try paying your own rent, your own bills, your own everything, and that makes you free? It sounds like you're a slave to me. We're free. But let me warn you. That stuff does creep into the church. And ladies, God has called you in a certain position in the home, and it ain't the head. I'm, I don't, I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says. This is biblical, okay? Let me hide behind the Bible right now. You are called to be a help. Now, I want you to listen to this. Anything with two heads is a monster. Anything with two heads is a monster. And being sanctified allows you to exercise the position and the place that God has given you. If you step out of that, you're stepping out of God's perfect will for you. And you're, one of the hardest things we, we as Spanish pastors do is to try to teach this principle to our family. You see, we come to this country chasing the almighty dollar. We want to make money. That's what we're here for. We can't make money. And we, we, we look at these families and, and in their, in their desire and their thrive and their thrust to, to be, to make money, make money, make money. They're making a mistake. They're neglecting the family and the core values that they brought from Mexico, which to, at least when I was there, they were very good principles and they didn't have a knowledge of God. My parents taught me some very good principles. Uh, you gotta know how old I am with what, with what I'm gonna tell you, but in my home, when, when dad, when we had company and I walked in, we walked in, the first thing we do, we walked in and introduced ourselves to the company if we didn't know them. Hi, I'm George. Ah, oh, nice to meet you, George. And off I went, away from the grown-up conversion. We weren't allowed listening to the grown-up We had no business listening to them. And we walked away. And, and if it was an elderly man, and an elderly man, you know, we had, we, we kissed her. It was a sign of respect. And, oh, it's it. You know, with COVID, that wouldn't work nowadays, but, you know. <laughs> right now, I'd be like, excuse me, sir. There were just some things that we were taught. We were taught how to respond to our parents when they talked to us. We didn't snort off. We didn't snark off. We did We weren't allowed. I mean, my father, one look, and I knew exactly what to do, and I better be on it right away. If he said, take up the, if he was going to tell me to take up the trash, he hadn't even said ash when I was already on my feet getting stuff to get it out. I just knew that. I just knew that. What's happening to us? You have to kind of persuade them and pay them. But why didn't Margaret take it? I keep thinking, I think about laughing. Just do what you're told. 
those principles. We, what, it, what happens to us? And can I tell you this? This is going to be scary. Some people without Christ come into our home and see these things and they're not afraid. That we don't have order in the home. So, that our things are not the way they ought to be. So, what I'm trying to tell you is that in, in, in this great experience of holiness, God gives us restorative grace. Well, we are able, we are, we are humble enough, we are, we are spiritual enough to go and ask for forgiveness when we mess up. Yes! Many times I've had to go to my own children and apologize to them. Yes, I have. And I'll do it anytime if I need to. I remember one time I, I, I did something, I don't remember what it was, and uh, I had to correct my daughter, and uh, she was younger, and uh, mom was, when we were about to go to bed, mom was in her room, and, and they're both kind of giggling and crying at the same time. My wife's like, uh, husband, could you come in here, please? I'm like, yes, yeah, sure. I come in there, and she goes, Samantha, I have something to tell you. And she goes, Dad, today when you spanked me, I didn't even know why you spanked me. I, I, I just, I don't remember what I did. But you had to spank me. I said, I'm sorry. Let me remind you. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, I didn't do a very good job explaining to her why I did what I did. There's correction and there's abuse. I'm not an abuser, neither are you. But sometimes, in the way we correct, we don't act very holy. And you're going to make a mistake, and you better be spiritual to go back and straighten it out. I said, Samantha, I am very sorry. I realized that I was in the middle of something, and, and um, it wasn't the, the atmosphere. I had somebody waiting for in the living room, blah, 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 and you did this, and I just, I, I assume you knew what this was about. And Daddy did not do what he's supposed to do when he corrects you. And I want to, I want to apologize to you. Gave me a little hug. And off they went. You just have to be spiritual enough to back up and say, you know what? Honey, I'm, not, I'm sorry. That was very harsh. I started cutting the way I talked to you. I'm sorry, husband. I stepped out of line by saying that. I'm sorry. I stepped out of my, I, I, I'm called to be submissive to you. I am called to let you do, handle these things. And I'm trying to run the show. And that is not the role that God has given me. I am sorry. Help me to keep the blessings of God on me by keeping the role that God has given me as a child of God. Oh. Nowadays, you know, some, some women don't, don't wear pants, but they do wear them in their heart. They want to call the shots. Manipulate the outcomes of things. Let it not be us. You have a wonderful role. You, you, if, if you knew how much influence you have over our kids, sister, man, I, you have all the influence in the world, more than we do as men. But God has called us to forbear our difference, our mistakes, to bear each other's burdens, to, to work together in the family of God. That's all I've got. Let's thank Amen. For the thought, did you want to take Father, we thank you this morning for your help to us. What a wonderful thing it is to be God's children. We're learning, we're in the process, and you're being so kind and patient with us. Would you help each and every one of us? Maybe 
Maybe this morning someone hurt something, an area that so they could be better. Would you help them, Lord? Would you just give them the resolve to, to always endeavor to mind you, to everything that we do that pleases you, Lord? At the end, Father, it is you that will welcome us into the gates of heaven. We love you, Lord, and we need your help in the, through this revival. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We are dismissed.